0: Places that we're going to read from, or three places we're going to read from uh, today Romans chapter 11, verse 29, Second Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 15, Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 1. So we're going to start with Romans 11, 29, and one other place that just shows that God doesn't change. God doesn't, you know, wake up one day and go, hmm, I'm going to do something different today. And uh, it all goes with, with what I want to uh, preach about for tonight and or this morning rather, and then go go going forward throughout the month of December. But Romans chapter eleven verse twenty nine says it, and I'm reading King James for this one. It says, "For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable." The King James would say, "Or without repentance, the gifts are without repentance, the gifts of God are." Irrevocable. They, he's not going to take them back. He's not going to give you a gift and then take it. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, and I'm going to read this one starting with the King James, and then I'm going to, I'm going to go to a, a version of the Bible I don't normally read from, the New International Version, because I like the word it uses. King James says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see perhaps in the English standards his unexpressible gift. The New International Version says his indescribable gift. And then Hebrews chapter 2 and verse uh, 1, let's just go all the way down to verse 4. It says, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For the month of December, I don't know if it if it'll be every Sunday morning or kind of when it when it goes, but I'm gonna preach a series talking about God's gift to the church. We always, you know, it's it's December, it's Christmas, and we're gonna be thinking about what gifts we're gonna buy. Some of you brave the the crowds or whatever you wanted to do for Black Friday or, or Black Thursday night, however you decided to start it. And, uh, you know, you, you went out, you're already buying Christmas gifts. But I'd like to tell you today that God has some gifts for the church. And his gifts are irrevocable. His gifts he doesn't take back. And the first thing I want to tell you, and, and it's, it's kind of simple, okay? This first one's simple. We'll get a little deeper uh, perhaps later on in some of the gifts that he has. But the first gift that you got to talk about is the gift of himself, Emmanuel, God With us. And in order for you to understand these gifts, there's four things that you've got to understand. There's four things that that you've got to do. Number one, that gift was freely given. If a gift isn't freely given, then then it's not a gift. If I got to twist your arm around, you know, behind your back for you to give me a gift, it's not a gift. Uh, So, first off, the gift is freely given. The second thing is you got to receive the gift. And the third thing is you got to open the gift. It's one thing to have a bunch of gifts under the tree, but if you never open them, what use is it? And then the fourth thing is you got to use the gift. How many of you have bought a gift for someone, especially thinking of our kids, you buy a gift and they play with it for about five seconds and they never play with it ever again. And you know how it makes you feel? I think God feels the same way when he gives the church gifts and he gives you and I gifts and we never use it. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I... uh so, so let me help you out because, let me, let me try this. How many of you have already bought some Christmas gifts this year? I know at least one person is because y'all have told me. Is anybody finished with your Christmas gifts yet? I see a few that are already finished. Man, I'm, I'm excited. I gave my Christmas list to my parents back in August, I think it was. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure they got plenty of time to find the best deal and all of that. But if you are here and you're having a little problem figuring out some gifts, I'm going to help you out. Here are some gifts that you can give. Let me start with gifts for her. And uh, so, so these are gifts that you could buy your, your, your wife or, uh, you know, a lady in your life. The first gift you could get is a classic Louis Vuitton holdall. They're, they're pretty amazing, I guess. I don't know as a purse or, or travel bag. Let me read to you what I saw. Not, there, there aren't many more stylish ways to travel than with a classic Louis Vuitton hold all. For additional unique kudos, you can buy a vintage style, such as this pictured monogram luggage bag, for only $33,973. Right there, I feel like I'm on the prices right or something. But perhaps that's out of your price range and you're wanting so desperately to give a gift discerning women with a love of luxury may already own some Chanel-branded things, but perhaps they've not considered a pair of the brand's tweed and leather mittens uh, perfect for those post-Christmas ski holidays because, you know, all of us go skiing. And these Chanel mittens are only going to cost you $1,230. These are some gifts you can think about. There are some that that talk about my wife's love for scarves. Brother Perryman is one. and uh, But, you know, these long, cold winters call for warm, shirling scarves by the most desirable fashion brand of the moment, Balenciaga, which I've never even heard of, but it's obviously the most desired. What is it? Yeah, that one, Balenciaga. If it's not Bass Pro Cabela's, I have a hard time pronouncing it. But it's bold branding will ensure that no one is left with any doubt as to where it's from. And you can have this warm scarf for $2,532.44. All right, now ladies, let me get down more into your price range. I, I told you I was going to tell you about a candle And so if you're looking for a candle for this progressive dinner, it might be cold outside, but you can feel the warm glow of the ever-glamorous island of Capri. The outline that's printed on this Fornicetti-scented candle with notes of lemon, I know that. Bergamot, have no idea. Galbanum and samphire have no idea what those notes are, but they sound good. And it will invoke smells of Mediterranean locales. Ladies, you could buy this candle for $577, and you can light it and watch it burn away. (laughs) Now, my wife, she can pay attention for this last one. There are few gifts that will offer more instant delight than a pair of shoes, bejeweled. Manolos? Is that how you say it? Manolos. See, she knows this. I don't. You can invest in a ruby red style for added festive flair. I mean, this pair of heels is only going to cost $974.51 gifts. But guys, we're not going to let the ladies have all the fun. What guy is not complete without a Clive Christian Cosmos flower perfume from Neiman Marcus? I just don't understand why any guy would want a flower perfume, but it's there. (laughs) The way they described it is, it's to replace his ancient one, and whoever wrote that knows exactly what they're talking about because I used cologne in my drawer today that I've probably had for 15 years. (laughs) But you can buy this perfume for $550. Or maybe us guys, we need a weekend travel bag, a low-tough leather duffel travel bag. It's a very usable and stylish, they say, duffel bag, but high-quality leather. And you can only, it's yours for just $1,200. Not to be outdone, us guys, I guess, need Louis Vuitton. And so we could get a Louis Vuitton connected Tambor Horizon watch. It's a smart watch, and it only costs you $2,900, which if you buy that, you're not very smart. Now, I like records, and I have a, a, a record player in my office, and I've got about 50 old records that I play occasionally. I've got one at my house, and I could buy a new... Shinola Runwell turntable from Neiman Marcus and you can, you can get it. It's only going to cost you $3,500. For those of you that are audiophiles and perhaps you need a new set of headphones and earbuds, it comes with both. It's a Master and Dynamic Zero Halliburton kit from MasterDynamic.com and these headphones and earbuds, you have both, uh, you, can, you can have for the small price of $1,200. And if none of this has quite got your fancy, I know this will get some of you. Everybody needs a fancy coffee maker. This Melly or Millie countertop coffee machine from Williams-Sonoma will only cost $2,199.95. These are some good gift ideas for you ladies to give to uh, your man, but Breanne, I don't need any of these. All I want for Christmas is How many of you, not that we necessarily shop there, but back in the days before online uh, uh, sales and things like that, I used to love getting the catalogs. We would get the Big Bass Pro catalog and get the J.C. Penny catalog. That was more our style. But for whatever reason, we used to get the Neiman Marcus catalog. Anybody remember that catalog? It was so cool to open it up. You could buy, I remember one year, you could buy your very own airplane from the Neiman Marcus catalog. It even came with flight lessons so you could get your, your pilot's license. And you look at these gifts and while the price just is astronomical, especially for what they are, who ne- I found a sweater. You could, I didn't put it in here, but I found a sweater I could have bought for over $2,000. I'm pretty sure that sweater costs more than the entire wardrobe of our whole family at our house. And it's kind of hard to describe those gifts. How do you put into? Uh, I found another one where you could get a, a a vacation to over to Italy, and you could get a, a a private tour of a candy factory and a candy buffet, and it was something like three hundred thousand dollars for this vacation. It's just hard to describe those gifts. Melvin Newland, who's a pastor that I I like to read some of the things he puts out, he said it this way. He said, it's at this time of the year that we do our very best to depict the wonderfulness of God's gift to us. Musicians have composed some of their greatest music on this theme. It's Handel's Messiah. It's box Christmas Ortorio. It's the beautiful hymns like joy to the world, silent night, oh, little town of Bethlehem, and one of my favorites, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. It's amazing that some of the greatest music ever been written that has transcended time. And my dad and I were talking about it the other day because you can go to 102.5 and start listening to Christmas music. And, and it's amazing. He asked this question. Is, when's the last time an, an iconic Christmas hymn was written? You'd have to probably go back to Maybe Mary Did You Know. But the hymns that we're singing are sometimes a a hundred or so years old. The greatest music our ears perhaps will ever hear was written about God's indescribable gift. Poets and painters and sculptors took up the tools of their trade to pay tribute to Jesus. That gift, Emmanuel, God with us. It was Paul in the writing that says, we give thanks because of God's indescribable gift. Why would we do that? Why would we say it's indescribable? Well, first off, the gift that God gives to you and I, it's beyond description because of who he is. I I dare you, take take a moment and try to describe Jesus. Just, 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 we've done popcorn testimonies, if you will, where, where I've said, all right, just, just give me one word to describe Jesus and, and people have taken off and even that doesn't do it. In 451 A.D., the Council of Chalcedon, one of the, the, the greatest theolo- theological minds of that time, they came together and tried to describe Jesus. And this was their description in 451 A.D and I quote perfect in godhood godhead also perfect in manhood, truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body, co substantial, co essential with the Father according to the manhood and all things like unto us without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father, and in these latter times for us and our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary according to the manhood, one and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of nature being by no means taken away by the union but rather by the property of each nature being preserved. Huh? I'm actually surprised I could read that without stuttering. How do you describe it? How do you take the greatest gift that this world has ever seen and describe that Emmanuel God with us? Every song that's been composed Every poem that's been written, every painting that's been painted, every sermon that's been preached still cannot adequately describe the character of Jesus Christ. I've done it several times here, and I'm not going to do it again, but I encourage you, go find the video. Look up Dr. S. M. Lockridge and look about, look at a sermon that says uh, uh, that's my king. This preacher begins to preach in that incredible oratory style of those gospel preachers. He begins to go and he says things like this. He's the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the king of righteousness, the king of the ages, the king of heaven, the king of glory, and the king of kings. And for about five minutes, he tries to describe this gift. And as good as it is, it pales in comparison. This gift that God gave you and I. The gift of God with us. Without that gift, the church is of naught. Without that gift, your life is meaningless. Without that gift, every sermon I preach has no power to describe Jesus. It's it's like trying to catch lightning in a bottle. It's that hard. Isaiah first said it in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This prophecy all the way back in Isaiah's day came to pass in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. How do you explain that? How do you look down at a tiny, helpless baby boy wrapped in swattingly clothes and say, He's God with us? This morning, Zeke, you know, it's amazing. Every other day, Saturday morning, when we don't have anything planned He's up at 5 o'clock, you know, hungry, ready to walk around. Sunday when we need to get out of the house, he sleeps, and I couldn't wake him up if I was crashing cymbals in the room. But I laid on the bed and just looked at him for a little bit, just watching him sleep, that peaceful innocence of a child, and thought about it, and I'm not trying to go back to the song, Mary, Did You Know?, but think about it for just a moment, how in the world she could hold God with us. How do you explain the shepherds and the entrance of angel choirs and magi and gifts? How do you explain and wrap your mind around the dazzling teaching of a 12-year-old boy in a synagogue as he astounded the elders and the teachers? How do you fully and adequately compare and describe the miracles and signs and wonders? How do you describe the Garden of Gethsemane or Golgotha's Hill or the cross there? How do you stand in an empty tomb? say it, it's indescribable I've been in this all my life, I was thinking about it a few, few, about a week or so ago and I've been raised in this, I've been raised in the church and I'm so thankful for that I, I, was, I was raised before the advent of iPods and cell phones and all the cool things that our kids have if I'd have had some of those things I wouldn't have gotten near as many spankings in church as I did but instead they sat me down in church and I was just kind of expected to be quiet and worship. And so I, I had my little cars and I played with them. But I remember some of my most vivid memories. I don't remember much about playing as a child. I don't remember much about what I did in those early you know, years of, of say before five years old. But what I do remember, Brother Miller, is church. I remember the move of God on a four-year-old little boy's life, and I didn't understand it. I couldn't describe it, Sister Peters, but I knew there was something happening in that church. I've laid under church pews and heard the greatest preachers that Pentecost has ever had preach. I've listened to the greatest hymns being sung, and now 39 years later, it's still hard for me to describe that gift that God has given us, Emmanuel, God with us. It's who he is. It's that word that became flesh. John chapter 1 In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that light was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And you can keep walking through John chapter 1 until you get to verse 14 which is the power of the incarnation, the manifestation of God in the flesh and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. How do you describe Emmanuel God with us? How do you describe the one that walked with us? They called him Jesus. You'd have to go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh, justified by the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received into glory. All of those verses as powerful as they are, all of those descriptions as incredible as they are, you can't really... Excribe it or, or 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 say it you just have to say it this way it's god with us if the old testament was god above us if the Gospels was God walking beside us, but this New Testament experience is God in us. And what a privilege we have. The greatest gift that God has ever given the church is Himself. And it's more than just who He is. It's why He came. I could preach for hours and probably days on the topic of why He came. I carry a little notebook with me. You'll you'll see it often. It's torn, it's tattered, and I've got another one ready when I fill this one up. But in it I wrote some point over the last month or two, I wrote a thing, you know, the song we sing, He Thought I Was Worth Saving. It's more than just He saved you. It's more than just Him coming down and saying, You know what, I'm going to save you. He saved you because you had worth to Him. Luke chapter 19 and verse 9 sums it up in one simple concept. This is why God with us came. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation. Come to this house for insomuch as he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost greatest gift is not just that he came to save you but in John chapter 10 he talks about I'm the door of the sheep and all who ever came before me are nothing but thieves and robbers and the sheep did not hear them I am the door and by me if any man enter in he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly and then in verse 16, he says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and shall be of one fold and one shepherd. And I love the fact he was willing to bring in other sheep. That's me. Not Abraham's, you, you know, you know favorite child. It's, it's not the Jews. It's not the Hebrews. But he brought in other sheep, the ones that the Jews didn't want to recognize. He came for you, and he came for me no matter who you or me are. What a gift. What a gift. I serve Him. I, the, the gift is beautiful for because of who He is. It's beautiful for what He, he provides and what he, he comes to bring, but it's not often that the birthday person brings a gift to his own birthday celebration. As we celebrate the birth of Christ, You have to understand that His gift is better than anything we could give. The gift that goes beyond any explanation. It goes beyond any means of understanding. For He brings the gift of salvation. Romans says that you've now been made free from sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can't ever stop preaching this. I can't ever get to the place where I don't tell someone about this gift. I, I can't ever get to the place where I, I forget about the gift that he gave to me. I was eight years old. I remember it vividly. I've talked about it where I was when I began to repent of my sins and lift my hands. And God fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That gift. Of the Holy Ghost. See, the beauty of of God is that you don't break it up into separate things. It's all part and parcel of who He is. God with us. It was God that became flesh and dwelt among us. It was God that came so that He might have flesh and blood and bones so that a supreme sacrifice could be given that would break the hold of sin's curse once again and for all. It was that sacrifice that he prophesied as he walked with the disciples, and he said, hey, there's coming a day. You're not going to see me any longer. I've got to die, but I'll rise again, but I won't leave you comfortless. I'll bring you the comforter in my name, that is the Holy Ghost, and he was prophesying that. He was promising that, this gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift, and what a gift it is. It was Isaiah in 9, chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. I'm amazed. I've, I've really, over the last year, taken a fresh look at the Word of God and tried to put pieces together. And as I've read Isaiah and read Ezekiel and Jeremiah and those prophets, I begin to realize how, how much they prophesy and push towards this Emmanuel God with us. He said, nevertheless, in that time of darkness and despair, it will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when the Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and of the sea, will be filled with glory. There's coming a day when the people who walk in darkness shall see a great light and those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine and you will enlarge the nation of Israel and the people rejoice. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. You'll break the yoke of slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You'll break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms, blood stained by war, will be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest upon His shoulders and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commandment of the Lord of Heaven's army will make this happen. That's the New Living Translation of something that you're very familiar with. Isaiah 9:6, the King James Version. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder he'll be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the Prince of Peace the greatest gift God has ever given is himself my wife attended Lindenwood College during that time they were required to take a religious a religion class I remember very, very, she came home one one day and said, I was just so aggravated because this doctor of theology began to say in class that God didn't want to get his hands dirty with humanity and so he sent his son to do the dirty work. My wife is quiet. My wife is demure, but she knows her word. And she began to quote John chapter one, without a Bible in front of her, begin to quote her. "So Ms. Professor, I, I hate to, to tell you you're wrong, but that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, and, and she started with God so loved the world, that he gave his only God son, but the only way you can understand John 3:16 is to understand John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made uh, were were made by Him. And then you go to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God came down for you. But I I said at the beginning that there's four elements of of a Christmas gift. It has to be freely given. God didn't have to do it could have looked at the world and all of the millennium of, of, of just sin filled people just keep sliding farther and farther away and God could have stepped back and said you know what I'm done I tried it with the flood I, I tried it with bring him out of Egypt I tried it with the, the Mo- Moses' law that I gave him I, I've tried and you know what I'm just done with him and he could have folded his arms said don't care but God so loved the world the old southern gospel song the old hymn says when he was on the cross I was on his mind and I'm convinced because I've, I've thought about it and I've, I've preached it and I've said it and I'll say it again I'm 100% convinced that if you were the only one on the earth he'd have still died just for you the greatest gift God could give the church is himself There's other gifts we're going to talk about. There's other things that God has given the church. But the first thing is it's freely given. Nobody made him do it. He decided of his own accord and own volition. I'm going to come. I'm going to give him a gift. But that gift must be received. Someone brings to you a gift. Perhaps it's wrapped up they could hand that gift they could, they could put it on your desk at your work they could stick it in your car maybe they, they, they got that gift a gift is absolutely useless if it's not received John chapter 1 says he came into his own but his own received him not they said we don't want this gift it's not what we had in mind we, we don't like it and they walked away you got to receive the gift I, I, I've told it tongue in cheek but it is one of those moments in my life that I'll never forget when my wife and I gave somebody a gift that we had thought long and hard about we gave a gift they opened it up and this is a grown adult not a child, I understand children do this but this was a grown adult opened it up and said I don't like it, you can just take it back I don't know that I've ever gotten that person a gift again Brienne might have because she's more gracious than I am but a gift is absolutely useless if it's not received a gift is absolutely useless if it's never been opened my mom's not here today so I can talk about her she'll be here tonight you don't have to tell her I said it because I don't want her to return my Christmas gift she may have bought me I bought her a Christmas gift. One of those ninja crock pots. It's really cool. She oohed and awed over it. About nine months later, I was at her house and I went down to the basement and there it was. <laughs> Had never been opened. <laughs> to her credit, she has opened it and used it since. But it's just pointless to have a gift that you receive. And never open. I'd like to tell you, and may, maybe I'm being a little corny. Maybe I'm 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 trying to shoehorn an illustration. But I'd like to tell you that the, this gift has been opened twice. It was opened on the cross. The Bible says that it was pierced, and that opening of Jesus allows you and I access to that true vine, access to salvation. He opened it once for you, but now the privilege and the option is will you open that gift? And the fourth thing that has to happen with a gift, you got to use it. The greatest gifts that I've ever received have not been the most expensive gifts necessarily. It's not been the prettiest gift, if you will, the greatest gifts I receive are the ones I use and the ones I use over and over and over. Wouldn't it be pointless for Emmanuel, God with us, to come down and allow us to be born again, put His Spirit inside of us, God inside of us, and we never use it? I'm saddened when I... I've seen pastors and churches and congregations and people who profess to be Christians, but yet they never use the gift. And a lot of times it's because they've never received the gift. And as we stand today on this Sunday morning, the gifts of God are without repentance. These gifts that are indescribable, He's given them to us for a purpose one of the reasons the Lighthouse is such an incredible church is because it's full of people who've received this gift of Emmanuel, who have opened this gift called Emmanuel, and who are using this gift. Emmanuel, God with us. I wonder if we can lift our hands in this place. As they begin to sing, I wonder if you and God would just talk for a moment. Why don't you examine whether or not you're using the gift? Why don't you examine whether or not you've received the gift? Look deep within your life. Have you opened the gift? Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Have you received that promise that He's given you that says you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you? If you haven't, this is a perfect opportunity for you. We saw it last Sunday night. God filled little Abby with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It can happen to you as well. The promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many the Lord our God shall call. The greatest gift God has ever given is himself. Would you lift your hands and would you talk to